0: Good to have you back. Kurt Borenson here. This is Maximize Your Influence Podcast 430. As we talk about shrinkflation, JND, psychology of advertising, what is it that other people are doing to you that's persuading you under the radar? Because that's the key. Whether you're persuading somebody one-on-one, whether it's a commercial on TV, the goal is to persuade under, below the radar because the moment, this is for most people, somebody senses you're going to try to persuade them, even though they need it, want it, like it, and can afford it, they'll probably resist you. Just saying, all about going below, or you can say invisible to the radar. Be more stealthy. So what had a good week. I was in San Francisco doing a training. Shout out to that group. As we tackled some of their biggest influence challenges. And I'll have to admit, it's been a while since I've been to San Francisco, and last time I was there, it wasn't the cleanest place, and I figured, you know, things are getting worse, but I'll have to say I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it still has challenges with the the messiness, the homelessness, and other things, but, but it was better than I thought. But the one thing I always do forget is how cold it is in San Francisco. I used to live in Sacramento, it could be 100 degrees, go to San Francisco, it's 60 degrees and windy and cold in the middle of summer. So had a good time there, had a good week. Hopefully you had a good week too as we dive into our persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't! So I saw this ad the other week and I'm kind of a crypto Jedi. It's kind of a fascinating, interesting world that in my free time I'll actually do crypto training, what it is, how to profit from it, and how the technology is going to take over the future. So this ad pops up of course, the internet knows how to retarget you, and it knows what you're interested in. And if you know anything about Bitcoin mining, it's very expensive as far as the computer, the mining rig. It can run really, really hot, and it takes a lot of electricity. So you have to find cheap electricity, a way to cool down the room, otherwise it gets too hot for the computers, and you have to have these special rigs. So there's some challenges there. Biggest ones being cooling it down and cheap electricity. So, there was, I, I want to say it was Iceland. We'll just say a, a colder country. Anyway, they had these ice caves, same temperature around. So, hey, you didn't have to cool down your machinery. Next to a hydroelectric dam where the electricity was going to be basically free. So, they said. <laughs> And they had a special deal, because they usually on those mining rigs, you have to wait three, six months because there's a lot of high demand. I'm like, wait a minute. Ice cave, free electricity. You have the equipment. They're gonna lease it to you. It's already available. Hmm, ding, ding, ding. Ever have those alarm bells go off in your head? That's above the radar. It was just too good to be true. Maybe it was. But I've consulted with many companies to take their offer down just a notch. Sometimes it's too good to be true. Even though it is true, it might not be true in the mind of your customer. So this one was just way too good to be true. I mean, it was like the perfect storm. Everything was set up, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. I didn't do any more research. I just discounted it and (laughs) moved on. So think about it. Even though it is true, your offer, your proposal, if it's coming across as too good to be true, there's no holes... It could be a challenge. And we know with credibility and trust that if you could reveal a few holes or a couple weaknesses, you know, turn those into strengths, it actually increases your trust and your credibility. Come on. Something's got to be wrong. Give them something. Don't let them make one up. Give them something that's wrong. So that's your persuasion blunder of the week, which moves us to the geeky scholarly article. called the psychology of advertising we're talking about below the radar this is from psych central journal of design sciences seton hall university and sandra motiho now i love looking at advertising the psychology behind it my undergraduate degree my bachelor's degree was in advertising so i've worked at advertising agency it's always been fascinating to me the marketing the advertising the persuasion side and <laughs> back when i was in school one of my professors says only 50% of advertising works. We just don't know what 50% it is. I'm like, well, wow, that's refreshing. I think we've gotten better there as far as analytics and advertising. I think the bigger challenge is you have so many ways to advertise now than you used to. I mean, if you're way back, there was only three television stations and now you have hundreds. So it has changed. So in this article, The Psychology of Advertising, they go to some of the things that are below the radar. So they define it, of course, as... Advertisings to encourage you to buy their product, and to do this, they need to trigger a certain emotion, Now that's the psychology part. You know, emotion's the key. We always know it's emotion that persuades. Now in that emotion fades, you need the logic, you need both, but most people, way too much logic, not enough emotion. In fact, when they were doing MRIs during Super Bowl commercials, the most emotional commercial, it was a Disneyland commercial, One. Well, let me back up, Didn't Win was the most memorable. The one that won was the fuddy one and they couldn't remember who the advertiser was, which is not good, I mean, <laughs> they remember what had happened, but they don't remember who paid for it. But it was the one that was the most memorable that stuck the best was the emotional Disneyland commercial. So we all know that we're surrounded by all these advertisers around us trying to get us to take actions. Right? They're going to play to our subconscious mind, make sure they cut through the clutter. And it's everywhere. We know TV, radio, social media feeds, magazine, billboards, mail, bus benches, restrooms. It's everywhere now. The retargeting of ads, ads at the mall, ads at the supermarket. We know it's everywhere. So they're trying to get cut through the clutter, the noise, and get us to buy their products or services. We know that. Now, this article says that average American and I'm sure this is probably true for most countries, is exposed to 10,000 persuasive messages a day. Now, I remember reading an article, this was a few years back, it was Advertising Age magazine, it was 5,000 persuasive messages a day. So it's going up. The clutter is real. So that's when we go to the psychology to give their ads a little edge so consumers remember it and act on it. So the psychology of advertising focuses on building empathy towards a product or service to help you become more inclined to buy or use it. So there's the different aspects, like the people, are they relatable, are they likable, are they trustworthy? The images, the symbols, colors, could all influence how we relate to the ad, how we feel about the ad, are we gonna remember the ad, are we gonna act on the ad? So they go over five psychological techniques used in advertising. We've talked about some of these on the show, but let's go through them and see. One we know, using cute animals right? Your social media feed, the cat, the dog. Animals usually bring out positive feelings. Now, not a shark, I guess, but a dog, a puppy dog. It used to be the puppy dogs and newborn babies was a aww oh, factor, right? Positive feelings, and we like puppies, so we're going to like your product. That's why people use endorsers. We like Michael Jordan, the basketball player, and whatever he endorses, we like that too. There's an association trigger there, I call it. So, using animals in an ad helps us pay more attention, triggers those warm feelings, and makes that ad more positive. Now, if you were just bit by a dog or attacked by a dog, <laughs> and that exact type of dog's on the commercial, maybe not. It could have a negative trigger, but for most people, They like to see the dogs and the cats and the nicer animals. Again, not the sharks or the alligators, (laughs) okay? The next one, we've talked a lot about this. There's a lot of research on this one, is humor. Laughter, we know, releases endorphins. And let me add, increases trust. It increases likability. They put in positive feelings, makes us feel happy. And if a commercial makes us laugh, we're more likely to remember it. And that's the key to advertising, is to remember the product or service or brand. Another one they do is they prey on fear. (laughs) Remember I said, maybe it was a few weeks ago, when a dentist says only floss the teeth you want to keep, that's using fear. There's a time and place. Sure, fear is abused, but used properly, just like scarcity and urgency can be a very powerful tool. Now, they do come out and say it it could backfire because fear could turn us away from a product or brand. But when you can use fear in a way that elicits excitement or calls us to action, it can be very effective. Any type of insurance product usually does some type of fear. You might see the prescription drug medication, use fear, the dangers, what's going on. You need to get this fixed. You need to go to your doctor and ask for this certain medication. <laughs> then the opposite of that would be <laughs> uh, you, the pharmaceutical adds at the very end with the fast talker, same pace when it tells all the bad side effects. That's also below the radar because they don't want you to remember that or even hear that and most people don't. Next, what they do is they create excitement, buzz, hype around the product. They get you excited about what's going on, like an amusement park. Probably see beer ads, those type of things. So, any type of excitement or like, man, if I drink this, I do this. This is going to happen. I'm going to feel this way. I'm going to be excited. can make your ad more memorable. How about tugging on the heartstrings? Oh, those emotions. Like I mentioned earlier, the Disneyland ad, family spending quality time together, a couple falling in love, people helping other people after disaster, those type of things can go a long way. Because what that does, we talked about this a while back, is that if you could take that statistic and turn it into a story, pull the heartstrings, powerful persuasion. And then there's color. You can go to the archives, we've spent whole podcasts on colors, but colors, hues trigger different feelings, memories. So colors can affect how we think and feel. We know that blue can calm you down. Pink can calm you down. Red and yellows can trigger a little more tension. They also stimulate appetite. One study I found said that up to 60% of our acceptance or rejection of an object or a person can come back to that color. We know that certain colors that you wear are more credible than others. It is real, bigger than you think. So, colors are also used for brand recognition. They talk about the shade of green that Starbucks uses. Just seeing that shade, people think of Starbucks, even if it's not the logo. Interesting. And some of these commercials are so powerful, they stick with you for years. You can <laughs> sing along with their song, 10 years later. So I saw that and went to the internet. And I looked up. The most memorable commercials in TV history. See if you recognize any of these. This is at Considerable.com. we will put the link in there for you. See if you remember some of these. Some of these are pretty dated. The Alka-Seltzer Plop Plop Fizz Fizz. Oh, what a relief it is if you remember that one. The one on the top of the list was Wendy's Where's the Beef. <laughs> that was a classic. Then alka Seltzer's also mentioned here twice. Where, man, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. The Cray Native American with the litter is one of the memorable ones. Life cereal. Hey, Mikey, he likes it. They didn't want to eat it, but then their little brother ate the whole thing. The Maytag Man, if you remember that. Then you got to remember the McDonald's. Two all-beef patty, special sauce, cheese, lettuce, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, something like that. And why is that even in my brain? All right. That's one of those commercials. The Mr. Whipple and the Charmin toilet paper. Don't squeeze the Charmin because, you know, it's so soft. Mr. Whipple would catch them doing it. Don't squeeze the Charmin. Pillsbury Doughboy. Woo-hoo! The Chihuahua Dog from the Taco Bell commercials. Coke's I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. Anyway, I go on and on, but you probably have the one stuck in your head. That's good advertising. So when you look at cognitive psychology, remember your cognitions are your thoughts, your beliefs, it is used in advertising. It's the science of how our mind processes information. And so they use that to influence our thoughts to use a product or a service. So they tap into common experiences, trigger great memories, good feelings. And we remember the ad more. Then there's social psychology in advertising. Social psychology is another technique that advertisers use to persuade viewers. Show us how a brand or a product can help us have better experiences or better relationships with those around us. The example they give is a commercial for a tropical vacation spot. You know, the groups of people, they're playing the beach, the sand, the sun, the music. They're all happy. And you think, hey, I'm going to go there and then be just as happy. So next time you look at an ad, part of becoming a great persuader is benchmarking. What was good? What did you notice? What are the colors? What emotions? Are they pulling your heartstring? Did you laugh? Is there a dog? Is there a baby? (laughs) And the more you're aware of it probably could resist it a little bit more, but you could also use it in your day-to-day persuasion attempts. So there's your geeky, scarly article. And I kind of wanted to talk about a few other things. That I kind a question come in about shrinkflation, kind of a new term. Some people call it JND. Let's talk about it. It's happening right now around you. This is also marketing in the supermarket. This is also below the radar. It's also done in marketing, the way they... Film things to make them look bigger than they actually are. So J and D, first of all, is just noticeable difference. To where, if you're not noticing, your products are shrinking. That's also known as shrinkflation. Can you tell the difference between 5 ounces and 4.9 ounces? Did you notice the bottom of your yogurt cup gets more and more concave? (laughs) Okay. So just noticeable difference is that we don't notice. They try to make the box just as big. They don't change much on it. They probably put the 4.9 ounces a little smaller than what it used to look like when it said five ounces. It's all below the radar. You don't even know what's happening. They don't want the prices to go up, so they just take a little out. So shrinkflation is an economic term where your groceries shrink. The package downsizes. Some ingredients might be taken out, the expensive stuff, just a little bit to reduce the cost, but you can't tell because it's below the radar and you can't tell a difference. So basically reducing the size or quantity, or I'll even say quality of a product. So it is kind of deceptive. It's a form of hidden inflation. Yeah, they don't want the prices to go up, but that's still happening too. And they're shrinking. We have, we have the worst case scenario happening right now. Just noticeable difference. You're barely going to notice. And so they're banking on that you're not going to notice. Now, why do they do this? We talked about, Higher production costs, inflation, market competition, hard to get ingredients. I mean, there's a variety of reasons, but the big one, they don't want the price to go up. In fact, I'll give you some examples that you've probably already fallen for. So Walmart paper towels went from 168 sheets to 120, but the price stayed the same. Doritos went from almost 10 ounces to 9.25 ounces. Hershey Kisses went from 18 ounces to 16 ounces. The Hefty Bags, right for trash, went from 90 bags to 80 bags. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, 1.6 ounces down to 1.5. Pringles went from 5.5 ounces to 5.2 ounces in the same size container. Oh, one of my favorite, Tillamook Ice Cream, went from 56 ounces to 48 ounces but you can barely tell the difference with the packaging. Cereals, General Mills, 19.3 ounces to 18.1 ounces. Toblerone, the chocolate. They put more space between each piece, reducing the amount of chocolate by 25%. Ouch. Toblerone, come on. Gatorade did an interesting design change. It went from 32 ounces to 28 ounces. And Charmin toilet paper, it's 396 sheets down to 366. So it's there, kind of below the radar. And it's also one of those marketing things. Advertisers, sometimes they really want to give your attention, and sometimes they don't want your attention. They want to be below the radar. So think about it, The psychology of advertising, the grabbing your attention, getting you pay attention, triggering feelings and emotions. Then on the opposite side, we have the j the just noticeable difference where they slowly change their logo over time. Because it's easier for the brain to handle small, subtle changes than one big change. We've talked about it before that it's easier to persuade someone in three or four different sessions than one big session or meeting. The shrinkflation's real, Hit from all sides, you start taking a look that uh, the box might be the same, but the bag's a little smaller, a little less liquid, less powder, whatever it is. That's happening across the board. But I told you, this time we're getting shrinkflation, product shrinking, and inflation. So it's a double whammy. So there you have it. That's our podcast for today. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate the emails. If you want to drop me a line, it's Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And let me know what you want to hear on the show. Remember, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com, home of the Persuasion IQ Assessment Get the free book, Maximize Your Influence, the new edition. Just pick up a little shipping and handling and find our list of additional products and services. There, I also put a link to the 111 sales hacks, the three to four minute videos on just what we talked about today, the little subconscious triggers, persuade them below the radar. They tell you the science, what it is, how to do it, quick, one a day, you'll become a power persuader. And that's the key. Learn it. Benchmark from others. Look at the anti-sweaters in your life. Do the opposite because everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. So be more aware. Master your marketing. Master your influence. Careful to economics and go out and persuade with power.